0: Interesting. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 2. Matthew chapter 2. Last Sunday, last Sunday, we looked at the wisdom of the shepherds. This morning, the wisdom of the wise men. Let's pray that our Lord will have free reign in this time. Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name that your spirit will take this message, the same God that lit up the skies for the wise men and the shepherds. Lord, I pray, will be a light in our hearts as we read your word. So very important in this time I pray that you'd help us to realize the details, not only from Scripture, but from history and what is about to take place, that we see the importance. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Look at verse 1, if you would please. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. You know, I call this the most famous road trip of all time. And I hope and pray that you see that. We can learn if we study like they studied, how the Magi, By the way, I have to do a little bit of an aside. My wife and I this morning were disagreeing how you pronounce that word. I've always pronounced it Magi. Now it's Magi. I'll go ahead and shoot with that. After all, I got that pronunciation from the internet, and everybody knows if it's on the internet, it's true. But I want you to please notice this. We start out with this men who sacrificed. We see from verse 11 here, and we're not going to read that right now, but in verse 11, the family is now living in a house. Bethlehem is an interesting town. It's really sad to see today with the war going on, etc. It's absolutely barren of tourists, Christians. It's silent. You talk about silent night. Back here during this time, normal town, not too far from Jerusalem, there were things that took place there, though, that you can take note of. When we were there, it was at Bethlehem that that Jacob buried Rachel. Ruth met and married Boaz. They had a grandson by the name of David, and now Bethlehem is still called the city of David. The wise men came from afar, the Bible says, probably Babylon. In Ezra chapter 7, it says that when Ezra traveled from Babylon to Israel, to Jerusalem, it took him a little over four months. It probably took these men longer, a little bit longer. The Magi are a fascinating study. They were a a priestly class from Babylon. They were known in Persia, literally, as the king makers. Now understand, these are the men that are coming to Jesus to see Jesus. They, in their homeland, appointed and anointed kings. They were that important. Now, don't lose this. These same men that in their home country did things as this. They didn't vote on a leader. The magi came and appointed them. These same men traveled over four months, possibly longer, and they came to do one thing. They came to worship. Now let that sink in your head as you think about The Christmas story at this time. We're not told their number. We're not told their names. We're not told how they traveled. But we knew that we do. We are assured of this. This is a little bit wrong right here. They didn't come to the manger. And there was more than three of them. And not only was there more than three of them, but these men, when they traveled, They traveled with armed escort. When they came to see Jesus, it was a crowd, it was a group. These magi first appeared in Median, Medianites, in about the seventh century BC. They were monotheistic, they believed in the existence of only one God. They had a sacrificial system that was similar to what Moses had been told by God. They were involved in occult practices, including sorcery, and they were especially noted for their ability to interpret dreams. They had a knowledge of science, agriculture, mathematics, history, and the occult. Their religious and political influence continued to grow until they became the most prominent and powerful group of advisors, again, in the Medo-Persian and Babylon empires. These people were nothing to sneeze at, if I can put it like that. In fact, in Daniel 6, for those of you that have read the book of Daniel, when you read about the law of the Medes and Persians, there are those that say they're the ones that came up with the law of the Medes and Persians. Now consider this. There was a young man several centuries before Christ came who was taken as a slave from his nation, Israel, to Babylon. A young man by the name of Daniel. Daniel, from Daniel 1, we read this. He purposed in his heart to do the right thing. Again, if you've read the book of Daniel, you realize that because of the gifts that God gave him naturally, he was wise and supernaturally, by the way, he wound up prominent because of being able to interpret a dream, but also when there was a threat Against the wise men, the magi, and they were going to be put to death, he interceded for them. and for that reason, Daniel was not only appointed high. in fact, Daniel 248 says he was ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors, over all the wise men of Babylon. He became the ruler of these men. Because of his wisdom and how he interceded, he was very prominent in making an impact on these Magi. In fact, for centuries, historians believe that one of the main reasons why these Magi traveled to Jerusalem Is because of what they heard from Daniel. And not only Daniel, but later on, when there was the exiles from Israel traveled back to their homeland, there were many Jews that actually stayed in Babylon. They were just going to stay there. For that reason, there was great influence on Babylon, on the Magi. And for that reason, there were many that knew the scriptures. They knew the prophecies. The Greek and Roman empires, they had magi, but they were a little tainted in their character. These, that wasn't the case. These men were taken extremely seriously. The Bible says they were from the east, literally from the rising of the sun. It meant the Orient. They who came to see Jesus were a different sort of these others. So they sacrificed. They traveled months. They brought expensive gifts. And in order to travel, they needed security. So again, they paid for that, or the empire paid for it. So they sacrificed, but then notice they sought. Look at verse 2 saying, Where is he? Now, again, kingmakers, all right? The kingmakers from Babylon coming, and they're saying, Where is he that is born, born, not appointed? He is born king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. What was the impact? When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, regarding the stars, there's been many stories that have gone around. People have thought about the alignment of planets and such that wasn't it because the star would come and go and it was only seen by those who were searching for the king, which is the wise men. In the Greek and the Hebrew, the word star simply means a brilliance. It's possibly the same brilliance that the shepherds saw while they were watching their flock by night. It was the glory of God. Now, This is what took took place. When these magi, when these magi arrived in Jerusalem, they began asking, where is he that is born king of the Jews? According to the Greek, they were asking right as soon as they got into Jerusalem. They come into this person, where is he? Come to that person, where is he? Because they figured people there would know. Apparently, it was a mystery. There was not much going on. But in history, it was entirely different. Now, we can kind of think about this. Is there something similar going on right now? Yes. There is an anticipation literally with millions of people. There are Christians that are thinking about the end times, the coming of the Lord. They're looking to heaven. They're seeing things take place in the world. Meanwhile, Islam, the man that rules over Iran, some people believe is fomenting the difficulties that he is doing going after Israel and other places Different situations like the ships, you know, in the Persian Gulf, et cetera. The reason why is that he has a passion to bring in the 12th Imam. They believe that he is in hiding right now and they want him to come out. And oh, by the way, when he comes, he's going to bring Jesus with him. I'm just saying this is what is taking place. There are people that are having. They're concerned, they're wondering what is going on. Well, let me tell you what was going on in the world when Christ was born. The Roman historian, Suetonius, speaking of the time around the birth of Christ, wrote this, quote, there has spread over all the Orient an old and established belief that it was fated at that time for men coming from Judea to rule the world, unquote. Another Roman historian, Tacitus, wrote, quote, there was a firm persuasion that at, that at this very time, the East was to grow powerful rulers, and rulers coming from Judea were to acquire a universal empire. This is what The secular, if I can call them that, historians were writing at that time. The Jewish historian, maybe some of you have read him, I have his book. The Jewish historian Josephus reports in his Jewish wars that about the time of Christ's birth, the Jews believed that one from their own country would soon become ruler of the habitable world. Now, please understand this is outside of the scripture, but it corresponds to the time and it tells us something was afoot. I don't know how much this was known in Jerusalem, but as we'll see in a little bit, Herod was the last person that needed to hear these kind of things. But all of a sudden, here comes an entourage, armed escorts, with men from Babylon that came with a great reputation, asking, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Augustus Caesar, meanwhile, Herod's benefactor, had for some time been hailed as the savior of the world. Many magi could be found in great cities in the West, Rome, etc., including Athens and Rome, and were frequently consulted by Roman rulers. This was the situation of the time. Not everybody then was pleased when these men came into Jerusalem and asked this question. The scripture says, they were troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Who? Herod. Herod thought he should be worshiped. He was the savior of the Jews. They needed to worship him. They didn't come to worship the temple. They wanted to bow at the feet of a baby, a toddler. So here's the scenario. Again, Eastern magi, armed escort, enters Jerusalem. They begin as soon as they enter to inquire, where is he? At the news, they're directed to come to the seat of power and they do and what awaits them is a madman, as we'll see. So they sacrificed, they sought. Number three, they studied. Look at verse four. And when he had gathered, all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and then he gives a loose translation, a loose rendering of Micah 5 two, And thou, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. It's called Bethlehem of Judea because there was another Bethlehem. There was a Bethlehem in Zebulun. Then it mentions Ephrath or Ephrath. That was the old name for it. It was changed to Bethlehem, literally house of bread. Again, the city that eventually was claimed by David, known as the city of David. So Herod brought in the lawyers, the scribes. They're the ones that would interpret. They were called lawyers in Luke's gospel. During this time, as a little bit of an aside, while the wise men are searching, they're studying, there's a wicked man that is scheming. Look at verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And they sent, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. You know, it's kind of interesting. We see the wise men. They were searching. They really wanted to know. And, and, and understand, the scripture is plain. They came to worship. They didn't come just to recognize and go, oh yeah, that's him. They came to worship. That's why they brought the gifts that they did. Now, There are people that are challenged today. Seek after him. Sadly, there are those that were like those in Jerusalem. It didn't quite register with them. There are even those that are like Herod. They have wicked devices going. By the way, be praying for the situation that my wife mentioned when she was reading the letter earlier, the impact is continuing, and we will talk about that at a later date. But our missionaries need prayer. Now, what about this man, Herod? Let me give you just a little bit of a synopsis of him. He was called Herod the Great. He's the first of several Herods in the New Testament. How did he wind up there? Well, Julius Caesar had appointed his father, Antipater, to be governor of Judea. Antipater then managed to have his son, Herod, appointed as prefect of Galilee. They had to flee when there was the Parthians invaded Palestine. Herod then went to Rome, and in 40 BC, he was declared by Octavian and Antony to be King of the Jews. That's how he saw himself. He wasn't Jewish. He was an Edomite, so he married Miriam, who was a Jewish heiress, to make himself more acceptable to the Jews. He now ruled. Ruled. He was clever. He was. He was a good. He a capable warrior. He was a great orator, and he was a diplomat. Some of the things that he did as he came to power in times of a severe economic hardship, I believe it was 25 BC, he gave back some tax money during a great famine. He actually took certain items in the palace made of gold, melted them down, and used the gold to purchase food for the poor people. He built theaters, he built racetracks as we saw previously when I showed you that picture there from Caesarea, the Hippodrome. He built that, he built the amphitheater, he built the fortress of Masada. Again, we were on that. In 73 AD, it it was amazing to see that and to recognize some of the details of what took place when in 73 AD, nearly a thousand Jewish defenders who had gotten up on Masada committed suicide rather than surrender to Rome. But here was another problem with Herod. He was cruel, he was vicious, and quite honestly, he was insane. Fearing a threat, remember, fear, he's hearing. Certain things, and then when this comes, fearing a threat, he had the high priest, Aristobulus, who is his wife, Miriam's brother, drowned. And then in the funeral procession, he pretended to weep. After the, he then had Miriam, his own wife, killed, then her mother, and two of his own sons. After the murder of Miriam, he truly did go insane. He stormed around in his palace. He would point at his slaves, at his concubines, at his wives, and go, you're not Miriam. One day, he was on the docks there in Caesarea. He saw a woman that reminded him of Miriam. He took her. They had relations He didn't stop to think she's a common harlot. She might be carrying disease. She was. He contracted it. And he cried out, I knew it was Miriam. She has gone back. She's come back to curse me. This is the guy. Understand, this is the man who occupies the throne when Christ is born. Five days Five days before his death, about a year after Jesus was born, he had a third son executed. He wound up having the most distinguished citizens in Jerusalem all arrested. He gave instruction that when he died, these would be put to death. So he would guarantee that when he died, there would be mourning in Jerusalem. That's the kind of man he was. It's it's reported that Caesar Augustus said this, I'd sooner be Herod's swine than Herod's son. So they studied, and then once again, They saw, look at verse nine, speaking of the wise men. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east, the brilliance went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. It has the idea of exuberant excitement. It's happened. Praise God. We see it. We're going. And they did. And when they came, they worshiped him. Look at verse 11. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child, no longer a babe anymore, with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Why these things? Well, remember, these were wise men. And I believe they were being influenced, obviously, to me at least, by God. Because when they came They gave gifts that were specific to what Christ was and what would happen to him later. For instance, they gave gold. By the way, take note of this also. When the wise men came, they worshiped him, not her. Take note. Gold, which has been considered the most precious of metals, a universal symbol of material value and wealth. Frankincense was a costly incense used only for the most special of occasions, sometimes put in offerings in the temple and the tabernacle, during, used during, Roman, during certain royal processions, sometimes at weddings. And then there was myrrh. It was a perfume, not as expensive as frankincense, but still valuable. There are some that suggest it represents the gift for a mortal, emphasizing Jesus' humanity. These were the gifts from the Magi. Gold for his royalty, frankincense for his deity, Myrrh for his humanity. Take note of it. We don't know what was done with the gifts. But very soon after this, Mary and Joseph were told, you need to flee to Egypt. It's believed by some they took these things and used it to take the journey to Egypt take care of them, and then bring them back. But when it comes to the wise men, understand this. They sacrificed. They took the time. They were searching for Christ. They sought. Wise men still seek him. Remember I told you last week I was going to use another well-worn phrase? That's it. I actually, I love it. I still see it once in a great while as a bumper sticker. Not seeking according to our wisdom, but according to what the Word of God says. Because just like the wise men, the Scripture is here to guide us to Him. It was a scripture, Micah 5 2, but thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, it was that scripture that said, This is where he's at. That's all we need. They sacrificed, they sought, they studied. Remember what the scripture said, what Paul said about those in Berea? They were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Because they sought the scriptures, they went to the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. A scoffer just says, I want no part of it. Scorner, you know, same thing. The simple, I'm just, you know, what's for lunch? No, a seeker gets into the word and all God's people said, exactly. They studied, and because they studied, they saw, and we can too. And because of that, we can worship, just like the wise men. And you know, there's one other thing that we need to take note of. These men went away rejoicing. You see, Wise men are changed men. Let me say that again. Wise men are changed men. You read through the scriptures and you find change in those who are looking for the Lord, that are walking according to his word. These men met Jesus, although he was a small toddler, and realizing he's the one, they worshiped. And I believe they're still worshiping him in heaven because they knew who he was. The question is, do you? And therein, is the greatest question that is ever asked of anybody. Do you know Christ?